Hey, it's Chris Jericho, and you're listening to the Blues Hockey Podcast. Go Blues! Hockey Podcast host Jason, along with Chris. Yo, so both of us are here, and we have a special guest today, uh, Greg Wyshynski from ESPN. So, Greg, thanks for joining us today for uh, our some blues talk. Hello, how are so, you? Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> We're yeah, good, so, man. Yeah, it's so a, the last night like game a, wasn't great, but you know, it, it wasn't. But like, this is we can't really argue. Seen. We can't even argue. Yeah. Really, you go fourteen one and two. It's kind of like hard to be in a bad mood. So, you guys are okay. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm just like, you know, I was talking to Jeff Merrick on our little weekly radio hit today about the fact that it's so hard for some teams to break out of the assumed labels that they carry. Mm-hmm. And, and you know how, like, how, like the Minnesota wild, your first round opponents are now like an offensive team, despite being a trap team for like most of their existence. And mm-hmm. you know how nobody thinks Dallas has any offense and that Jason Robertson line's great. And I feel like the blues are in the same boat. Like if you pulled, all hockey fans and said, are the blues one of the top offensive teams in the league this year? Like how many of them would say yes? Probably not a lot. Not I agree. Yeah, yeah I, I agree. know. Not many blues think... fans either. Honestly, if you were, if you were paying attention until <laughs> the, uh, Teres- the Tarasenko Thomas Bushnevis line kind of decided to take over in April pretty much yeah. and just dominate every game they played in pretty much. So yeah, we're going to talk about what do you think about that line? Um, early on, I think halfway through the season, the breakout candidate for the Blues was Jordan Cairo, obviously by his all-star induction. Uh, it seems after the all-star induction, he just, you know, kind of struggling for through a full year. He's kind of struggling, but slowly he scored a couple goals, had three assists last night, which uh, against Colorado. So it's a good start for him. But now Robert Thomas is kind of showing kind of what the Blues fans have known for a while, what he what he can do offensively with his 17-point streak. Um is you see him as a future kind of star in the league or uh, how do you view him? I guess as a, na- like as a national guy compared to obviously I mean, blues fans are always kind of blues fans are very high on him right now. And I think now it's flipped between him and Kyrie. So how do you view uh, Robert Thomas? I mean, I think he's an elite playmaker. Um, and yeah, last, last check, it was like him and Johnny Goudreau for the most amount of uh, primary assists at mm-hmm. five on five this season, which I think is indicative of how good he's been as a playmaker. Um, you know, I, I think that the national view is that he's a 1A as far as the center goes. I think that it's not like, I mean, you could throw him up and, and say he's the number one center. You could say he's number two, but he's right there with O'Reilly. Um, I think for me, uh, the mark of whether he's a star would be kind of seeing him maybe a little separate from this line that's caught fire. And in fairness, I mean, the, the previous incarnation of, of him and, and Tarasenko and was a Cairo on that line to begin yeah, with for a while. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was pretty, pretty damn good too. Right. So maybe there is some proof of concept there, but I, I think, you know, I, I, I struggle sometimes trying to parse out like, is the, is the player really great or is it just like the right line combination clicking? Like to give you an example, like Ryan Johansson, right. Of the predators, um, very good player. Uh, never has been able to reach the heights that he had when it was him and Arvidsson and Forsberg 
uh, when he was putting up really good numbers. And so I kind of want to parse out a little bit the Tarasenko effect or the Bushnevich effect and, and then and then figure out what Thomas is. But I mean, there's no arguing with the output. There's no arguing with the playmaking ability. And, and it's always sort of been there. I mean, that's why the Blues were so damn protective of him in all those trade scenarios. Like the, the Sabres wanted him. Dang, ain't yeah. getting him though. <laughs> the sure, yeah. trade. It it seemed like for a couple of years, it was always him and Pareko that were the two guys that were tossed around whenever there was a possible trade involving the Blues. And, and obviously you understand why, because both of those guys have tremendous upside. Um, yeah. You mentioned the Tarasenko effect, and it's something that we talked about quite a bit over the course of this year, because obviously we didn't know where he was going to be on this team at all at the start of the year. And everything's gone quiet on that front um, over the season. And obviously one of the things that we've always said is, is winning cures a lot of things. Um, but I have been pretty adamant on the fact that if I'm Doug Armstrong and I can't get Tarasenko to agree to a contract by the draft, I think the blues have to move him, don't they? Or, or, or you risk, or you risk having him walk again, just like Petro did two years ago. You, you run that risk, but I mean, so there's a couple things at play here. I mean, first of all, you're, you have to kind of figure out exactly where he stands within his feelings about the organization. Like you said, right. winning solves everything after the season. Are we, are we shelving the trade thing? Are we okay with the team now? Have we made amends? We're feeling good. Sure. Uh, or, or does it rear its ugly head again? Um, uh, there's not, like you said, been a sort of definitive statement on that quite yet. Yeah. Um, the second thing obviously is, the fact that this is a team that has a window, you know, we, we know the ages of, of Perron and O'Reilly and Preco and all these guys. And so there is an opportunity, not only this season, but next season to potentially win another Stanley cup. Right. So you have to, you have to weigh that. And the third thing you have to weigh is uh, the reason he didn't move last time, last off season, which was concerns about his health. Absolutely. And a lack of proof of concept as far as production because of that health. For sure. Well, he's played a full season. And he's been amazing. Yes. So now you have an opportunity if you wanted to, to sell high. Now, all of a sudden, some of those teams that might have been out and saying, I don't know. I mean, even like the Kraken, right? Like the Kraken, exactly. like, I don't know. Exactly. Now you have an opportunity if you wanted to, to sell high. And, and maybe you make that decision independent of any contract extension. My, my fear is you look at projecting a year out, the end of next season, Assuming the Blues keep Tarasenko, you now have Tarasenko and Ryan O'Reilly both coming into the end of their contract. Yeah. With a team that's already against the cap. And, and, and I don't see realistically how the St. Louis Blues fit both of those guys under the cap the way we're seeing the cap relatively stay where it's at. And, and I think that as much as Tarasenko has, has meant to this team, I think you have to, to keep Ryan O'Reilly over Vladimir Tarasenko. That's just me. What do I know? I, I'm not working out on 14th and, and, and Clark, but I, I just think as a, as, a, as a guy who's a fan of the game and looks at the dollars and cents, I think you hit the nail on the head. You have the opportunity to sell probably the highest Tarasenko stock has been. Yeah. I mean, in the last five years, mm-hmm. certainly since right. the Stanley Cup. Right. And because and, now teams are going to get one more year out of them and then hopefully yep. can can figure out something after that. So, 
Yeah, I mean, it's a consideration. I and mean, obviously, like, you know, I, I, I don't have a, a cap friendly open in front of me, but I'm sure the Cairo and Thomas got to get paid at some point, too. They are up the same, they're up the same year as both of them. So all so four are up four the guys. same year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so, well, I mean, you'll open up some money when you when someone takes Bennington off your hands, right? We're going to get to the goaltending situation. So would you? what's your take on the goaltending situation? There's rumors around, I mean, rumors, I mean, just people talking probably, that the Blues want to keep Huso and move Bennington. But obviously, Bennington's contract's a little pricey, and the teams that probably could take it on are more than likely teams he really does want to go to. Buffalo. You know, I mean, um, Buffalo's not as bad as you think, honestly, in my opinion. I think they looked really pretty good lately. If they get the goaltending, maybe another def- defenseman. But anyway. Um, so I, I want to just want to leave this here for a second as far as teams. There you go. Might, so uh, Jersey, uh, might, want Jersey Devils. Might, might want Jordan Bennington than he'd go to. Uh, no, I, here's the thing about – well, first of all, the, the Huso thing, I've talked about this before, is amazing because before Bennington became Bennington, Huso was the guy. And so yep. this is just what, – what's happened this season is now just the end result of what was always predicted between these two guys, which yeah. is that Huso was going to be the starter that that was maybe going to be the franchise guy. Um, now, the Bennington part of it is interesting because, yeah, he's not been great. And, yeah, he's got a nine-game losing streak in the playoffs. But he's also a starter and a guy who's been a starter and a guy that's put up good, good numbers before in his career – and when you look at the league right now in the down cycle of goaltending that we're in, and you look at how many teams are just like scratching and clawing and trying to make something out of two number twos to right. see if that'll add up to, to a, a, a starter. Um, I think he's definitely got value. He's a controllable asset. He's, he's got a Stanley Cup ring. Um, if you're a team that believes they have a pretty decent tandem that just needs another part to go into the tandem. Like he's not going to be carry price. He's not going to be like UC Soros. Like mm-hmm. you're not going to hand Jordan Bennington the keys and say, play 66 games. Yeah. But if you got one guy and you like him, and then you could put Jordan Bennington with that guy, then you might have something, you know? And, and so I do think he's got value and, and, and that contract is pricey, but it's also uh, to, to quote the commissioner cost certainty when it comes mm-hmm. to uh, these teams. What do you feel about Huso? I know you touched on it a little bit, but as a Blues fan, I guess I kind of have a little bit of shell shock with the Blues where it seemed like for the entire life of this franchise, they've always chased the hot goalie, be it Ryan Miller or on down the line. And it seems like it always blows up in their face. (laughs) And, you know, I, I, I wish Bennington the best if we move him, but I also think back to the year that we had, you know, Halak and, and Elliot, and they won the Jennings, so we had to get rid of, of Ben Bishop. And we also what happened to Ben Bishop in his career. Right. You know, and, you know, the Blues made the deal for Halak after the, the playoff run he had in Montreal, and, and he was serviceable. He was fine. But I, I just, I worry that the Blues will throw the baby out with the bathwater with Biddington. I mean, he has lost nine playoff games in a row. But let's look at, uh, he was terrible in the bubble. There's no excuse for that. He couldn't stop a beach ball. But if you look <laughs> at last year, yes, they got swept by the Avalanche. But I can make the argument that Jordan Bennington was the best player for the St. Louis Blues in that series. Without Jordan, without Jordan Bennington, those games are 8-1, to 9-1. to one. So, I mean, what you're essentially saying, I think, is that you might be making a problem for yourself that you don't currently have because the goaltending tandem is pretty good. 
and, well, and I would, yeah. I would well, but I, agree. I would no, I mean, I would essentially agree with that. The reason you move Bennington is because of the other four things that we just discussed, and the and the 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 thing that is happening now, which is that they over overpaid a goalie that they might not need any anymore because somebody has replaced him. Right. And so and so I, I mean I tend to agree with you that like the tandem's fine. I, I think I mean they're doing mm-hmm. quite well in the standings. Like the tandem's fine. It's just that because of all of the other things that have to happen mechanically under the salary cap, you might not have the luxury of retaining it. You I don't want a six million dollar guy on your bench. Yeah. Pretty much. Probably yeah. not. Unless yeah. it's Carey Price. Then what yeah. do you do? <laughs> so let's transition into what is upcoming and starting next week on May 2nd, all the Santa Cup playoffs. So obviously the blues are one of the few series that's obviously locked in and all we got to figure out is home ice, which is another story. Um, so Minnesota and St. Louis, two pretty darn similar teams. Um, both teams are stepped it up offensively known for, like as Greg said, a trap teams. I think Minnesota can argue they were kind of like that for a few years, obviously. Uh, so both teams have kind of broken out offensively in the last, uh, this year, year and a half, let's say. Um, how do you see this series shaking out? So, I mean, is home ice, you think, critical for the Blues in this? Or do you think it's kind of just both teams are pretty much dead even and it's just going to – honestly, I still see it going six or seven at least. Yeah, yeah I don't think home how, – How much stock do you put into the Blues' recent record of over Minnesota? Uh, regular season record doesn't matter to me. Um, well, in some cases it does. I, for some reason, the Penguins can't beat the Rangers – um the so like i'm angry about this series because i i think both of these teams are capable of beating colorado Mm -hmm. and it makes me uh angry that they have to play each other in the first round yeah Mm -hmm. and uh it's going to be a great series but it's almost like you look around at at some of these other matchups that are that are are, you know playing out and it's like "Ah, i wish one of these guys could play the kings (laughs) you know instead Yeah. yeah um but as far as the series goes, it's incredibly even. I mean, um, you have a bit of an experience advantage with the Blues, obviously. Um, I think in, in Minnesota's case, you, you have a bit of a defensive advantage. Like, this is a team that analytically is probably second or third best team in the league at 5-on-5 defense and expected goals against. And the problem with them was that they didn't have the goaltending making the saves to – coincide with that play and then they made the flurry trade and look what's happened i mean you know he's like lost one game for them yeah so from a defensive aspect i i give minnesota the edge from an offensive aspect i think i like st louis's depth a little bit more and um their explosive list a, a little bit more um it's a real tight one i mean I, I think it's a coin flip series provided and this is the big caveat provided that we get regular season billy huso and that in his maiden voyage through the postseason, we don't see somebody flake, which, you know, it can it happen. Yeah, it can sure. happen. And we know it's not going to happen on the other side with Flurry. Yeah. So that's my only caveat is that you are dealing with an X factor in Huso and his experience and what, what that ends up looking like in the postseason. Yeah, it should be a really good series. And like you said, I think it's two really good teams that match up well against, I mean, is for what they lost last night, five to three to Colorado. Uh, missing a couple of guys, but I think, you know, I think it's the throwaway game. That was the game I kind of looked on the calendar. I said, ah, mark that up. Marv's L cause they're probably be getting ready for the playoffs. And uh, yeah, Friday's game is probably going to be another one that I wouldn't be surprised if they sit a lot of guys. I don't think Vegas is going to pull this one out, but that's just, me. <laughs> I, I think that, Vegas so. is done. Yeah. But that's just we'll me. See. So Stranger before, things have happened, but true. Uh, but I, I, don't, I don't know how either the, uh, the stars or the golden Knights don't, uh, don't act accordingly after their game this week. 
yeah, it's be interesting. So before we uh, let you go, and we, one thing we also like to talk about besides blues hockey on here is uh, our love of wrestling. So I know a couple of weeks ago you uh, had some pictures out there that you got to go to the AEW show up there. Um, so we'll say this: Who's your favorite uh, favorite wrestler to watch now? So I, like I say, I got to go. I I paid to go. I, I think you got to go. I didn't say like I, you. I, made, I wasn't assuming made, that you got free tickets. Like the, you got to go to the game. I mean, I made the spur of the moment decision to go to the AEW show uh, when I was in Boston for the Frozen Four, nice. um, because I looked on on um, one of the websites and there were like obstructed view seats, which basically meant I was sitting behind the camera crane. Mm-hmm. And in fact, my friend Arda Ocal that I do the drop with on ESPN. Uh, tried to hook me with the AEW promotional people to get me better seats. And by that time I'd already bonded with my, like I went by myself. I bonded mm-hmm. with the guys next to me for drinking beers and, and making wrestling jokes. So I'm like, I ain't moving. This is fine. <laughs> I can see the ring. Yeah. I'm a man of the people. Um, so who's my favorite in AEW right now? Um, AEW or you say anywhere. I'll, I'll, I'll open up anywhere, but I say AEW. I mean, I well, think that's where I'll we kind of lean towards right now. Me too. I'm, I'm a much bigger AEW fan than I am a WWE fan at this point. Um, so I'm trying to think that who I'm really vibing with on, on, in AEW because it does change from week to week. Well, obviously FTR is like next level right now as far yeah, as should be a good match their in-ring ability and storytelling and, and things of that nature. It's just like, it's a real joy to watch. Um, I'm getting a kick out of Samoa Joe being back, uh, mm-hmm. and the way that the crowd has really embraced him. I'm obviously a big MGF, MJF fan just because of everything that he does. Yes. Uh, and I think he's got an underrated in-ring ability and, um, it's hard not to really be into Wheeler Yuta after being in the arena for that, uh, Moxley match where he uh-huh. just bled over yeah. the place. Now that said, I'll tell you that I'm, I'm, there's not much in, in WWE that I really like, but <laughs> This this Elias Ezekiel thing is so goddamn good. It's so funny. Where this going on right now in WWE? Oh yeah, yes. I, I, I put over Kevin Owens for making it as yeah, good I mean, as it is. Yeah, like yeah, Kevin, it's, it's, Kevin Owens has been like this the, the MVP of the year. Like the, mm-hmm. the being as good as he was in the Austin stuff, and now this stuff. But like, I watched the super cut of all of his interruptions of yeah. of of things, and he's doing the same bit over and over again. I'm not one to interrupt, but. And it's just, it's just so, it's really, I mean, like, it's, it's a level of, of, of humor and that I, I don't normally associate with the modern WWE, mm-hmm. um, not only humor, but also like execution of humor. Yeah. It's worked and, out and like amazingly it's, well. It's just really funny. Like I, yeah. I, I don't, they'll screw it up. Like it won't lead to anything. <laughs> of course they will. Yeah. Right. It's really, but it's, but it's just, just really, really away from it in three weeks. It's just really, really funny. Like I, I, I find myself really um, amused by it, and uh, and they don't normally amuse me with some of the intentionally comedic things that they do. But again, like I, I, I wish AEW was pulling in gigantic audiences. I don't know how you unlock that. I'm happy with the audience that they have. I am mm-hmm. like, you know, I grew up with with the, the Monday Night Wars, so I end up pay, paying attention way more to ratings than I probably should. Mm-hmm. and uh, and uh like i just i just wish the best for that company i i'm i'm it, it got me back into wrestling in a, in a huge way um that i didn't anticipate happening at this day in this day and age jason and i got to go to an indie show here in st louis over the weekend speaking of AEW, 
And uh, we got to meet a guy who I, I think AEW needs to push as hard as they can because his personality is the greatest thing in the world. <laughs> I I uh, I was an early Danhausen adopter. And, oh, he's so uh, brilliant. Yeah. I I DM'd him once, and I'm like I'm like I listen. Hey, I, I I'm on ESPN. I have this show. Like we want to have you on as a guest. Like, do you know anything about hockey? And he's like, no, I am uh, not a hockey fan. I'm like, gosh. <laughs> yeah, that, was my, that was my big shot. So I, I, I shoot my shot with a lot of people that I think could be hockey adjacent. Yeah. Um, I, still, I still think that I'd love to do something with him, like hockey-centric. But I think maybe now that he's just like, now, now, now that he's on AEW instead of yeah. Ring of Honor, it might be like, he might be out of my league now. Super, super nice guy. So we got to meet him. And super he's very, great guy. Super nice guy. So yeah, so... Uh, I'll keep you that long. So we appreciate you coming on the show. We got, I know you got a yeah. very jam-packed weekend coming up once the uh, dust settles for playoff uh, seating and who's playing who, where. Um, I look forward to all your coverage coming up on ESPN uh, throughout the playoffs and the uh, offseason. Uh, last question, uh, Matthew Matthew Kachuk, Future Blue? Of course. Okay. If, if, if not in the next two years, then eventually. It'll, it'll happen. Yeah. It'll be conjured and I'll have it. Well, I hope that, uh, you know, I, I wish all the teams well. I do wish I get a chance to come back to St. Louis. I had a, a joyous time there during those playoff runs and hitting mm-hmm. up craft beer and, and, and hanging out with cool people. So, uh, yeah. so hopefully you, we'll uh, bump into each other. Yeah. We'll you come back to St. Tacos. Louis. Uh, yeah. Come back. Uh, we got uh, dinner and drinks on us. So uh, oh, we'll, well, we'll take, you, right, take, take you for some uh, tacos and some uh, beer at our uh, favorite uh, place to go. So I'm going to put you on the spot with one final short question. Does Ryan O'Reilly get his 20th in the last game to give the Blues nine 20 goal scorers? No, of course not. Yeah. Not, <laughs> we can't be that greedy. Yeah. Of course. We'll, t- we'll take the eight and we'll roll with it. So, we'll so uh, Greg Shinsky of ESPN, thank you very much for coming on the show today. And yep. uh, hopefully we get to talk again soon. Maybe meet you in St. Louis during the next uh, four weeks or so. You got it, boys. Thank you so much. Thank, thank you. you. We appreciate it.